You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. This week on the podcast, I've got the audio from my live episode of The Exchange with Roska. There's a video of this chat too, available on RA's YouTube channel. With his roots in garage, house and funky, Roska has firmly established himself as a key figure in the UK bass scene. He's learning to find that signature sound and be able to switch it up each track. So those that know, know it's a Roska track, but you're able to still keep you know people excited in their ears listening. So that's kind of what I've learned over the years. You'll be pleased to know the pandemic hasn't interfered too much with Roska's production work rate. He's been consistently making and releasing tracks and remixes this year from his garden studio. Roska's is a story of patience, dedication and consistency, delivered with a clean heart and an unquestionably genuine passion for music. So I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Roska on RA's Exchange. Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange podcast live. My name is Martha. Thank you so much for being with us. And I'm so excited to say that Roska is our guest this time. Um, hello and welcome, Roska. Yes, how are you doing? You right? Good, thank you. I'm excited to chat with you. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Um, there's so much to talk about, but I think we should start at the beginning. So please, could you take us back and share with us your earliest memory connected to sound or music? Sound or music? Um, I'd say when I was, when I was early, I'd say just before my teens, I'd say when I was in primary school, that was my first sort of like, Remember, like mem- remembering like music and styles and stuff like that. And um, my mum used to listen to a lot of um, R&B, um, like Lovers Rock, which is like reggae. Um, it's like uh, reggae, R&B, reggae. Um, and uh, my dad used to, my, my dad was a DJ as well. So he had, his part of a sound system that was around where I'm at, where I'm at now in SE in Catford. And um so my uncles as well. So four, three of my uncles were part of the sound system and my, with my dad. And um, yeah, he used to play a lot of reggae and every, everything basically, every, everything based around sort of Caribbean music. So that's, that's my introduction to music um, from an early age that I remember. Mm. Um, and then like, as I got older through um, sort of like my early teens 13 14 15 that's when I started sort of like finding out what I wanted to listen to in terms of like styles and sounds so yeah that's my early remembering styles yeah okay so did you have a go at DJing before you had a go at making music uh I did so um <laughs> when I was when I was in my late teens I was I, was, I started emceeing as well so I was emceeing and then my cousin he was my DJ and so every time he wasn't DJing, I was DJing. So I would, I would learn that through that way, through turntables, um, and then obviously later on, CDJs. 
And what kind of music were you playing when you very first started? Uh, garage. And uh, so my cousin, he was into he was into jungle at the time and he would show me um, all the music and everything. And then I found I was in I found garage and I just found it. I like the tempo, especially for uh, MC. And I found that was just like ideal tempo. And um, yeah, just kind of like, yeah, gravitated to that sound more than jungle and, and DMB. Um, yeah, that was that was that took me through up until yeah forever basically. That's just been my main sort of like yeah. Oh, I should to be fair, really and truly, I should be making garage. I'm thinking about it. I've been <laughs> garage nearly all my life. It's like I make funky, but yeah, that's yeah, that's another story. <laughs> Why do you think you didn't go down the garage path in the end? Um, so, ga- garage came along then, then dubstep or the early part before dubstep was called dubstep uh, but and then grime as well and that, so around uh sort of like two where is it about 90 98 99 2000 2001 around that period was like i was listening to yeah sort of like the early dubstep and then the grime and i started making grime a bit and then i lost everything around 2005 i lost all i lost my whole my hard drive died so I had to start start again, basically. So I think that's kind of, it was like a fresh start, but kind of, yeah, I just didn't want to go back and make it start again, if you know what I mean. It's just, you know, felt like turning back to go and do the same thing again. So I kind of um, just took my skills elsewhere, basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fresh start, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so I would love it if you could guide us through your kind of studio setup at the moment. Yeah. Um, at the moment, this is kind of minimal because I'm. I, I mentioned before, I forget where I was moving and everything. But generally, it's um, controller. It's this MacBook. I've got two MacBooks. One's got like my older stuff on there that's not compatible with this one. And then I've got my PC as well, which has all my stuff, including my first album from like I got that PC. When did I get it? 2009. So that's got all the old stuff on there and. It's got ideas. I usually grab like ideas. So like over the last like five years, a lot of the music that I've probably released, at least one, I'll say about 25% of them have been like old, old tracks where that I've just grabbed old like stems and just kind of just like redone the whole track. Um, and uh, yeah, my controller, um, my MIDI controller, my keyboard. And uh, I used to use a lot of like outboard gear, but I just felt like I could do a lot of the stuff just inside the, the Mac, so it just I just kind of like use just a lot of like software and plugins that that emulate what I've been able to do over the last like 10, 15 years. So yeah, it's kind of very, very minimal. So do you find yourself making, you know, sketches and then sort of moving away from them thinking, oh, I'll come back to that at another point? Um, I used to, but I've learned how to um, just make tracks from start to finish. So um, a lot of the music I make, unless I've got, if I haven't got time, then I'll just make little small sketches. But most of the time, I'll start a track from start to finish, bounce it off, listen to it a few times, and go back to it, and then re and then do it, finish it off. So add the you know the final bits, effects, the um, automation, and the changes and stuff. So it's very it's very it's usually a basic as basic as it can be, and then I'll elaborate on it at a later date. So most of the time, yeah, it's a finished track. I could play it out if I wanted to mm-hmm. test it. See how it feels. Uh, this is a very streamlined process. Yeah. I think I've just, it's like, how can I explain? It's like, um, 
it's just working smarter. I've just learned how to work smarter during making music. Um, it's like, you know, I just, I, I know what I want to hear, um, especially like with like the Roscoe material. It's like, I know what that's capable of. And it's, I know what, I know generally, I'd like to think I know what people um, know that listen to Roscoe all the time will know what they're going to, they're going to hear, what they're going to get. So I try not to um, do too much for Roscoe because I feel I've done it before where I've tried to go a bit more further with the Roscoe stuff and, and push it out a little bit more. And it just alienates people, do you know what I mean? So to, to keep myself happy and keep everybody happy is always good to find a happy medium and kind of work. And I've, I've just, I've learned that over the years, just, you know, you know, you'll hear it, you know, sometimes, you know, you get some people that might listen to, like a Wookiee track or maybe a sticky track and it's a signature sound, isn't it? It's like you hear it, but to the to the to the naked eye it's just or ear, it's just like it's the same track. Do you get what I'm saying? But to the musician or the heads that know it's like it's a different track, but it's a signature sound. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. learning to find that signature sound and be able to switch it up each track each track. So those that know, know it's a Roscoe track and, you know, but you, you're able to still keep, you know, people excited in their ears listening. So that's, that's kind of what I've learned over the years and what to do. To sort of balance that line between being distinctive and being repetitive. That's right. Yeah. It's easy. It's easily done. So like whatever genre you, you think about, there's, there's a rule of how it's meant to be. Like, you know, when you listen to like dubstep, you know it's either going to be a half step or it's going to be like some sort of like hybrid garage dubstep two-step and it's like you try and keep within those those rules and then you add your own thing on top to kind of give it your own sound and style so that's 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 how I, that's how I work with what I've got with funky and anything that sort of like works around that style and style. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like I have so much I want to ask you. I don't know how if this is boring or not, then just no, no, no. Um, so I was just wondering, because you've obviously got, you know, a lot going on and you're very prolific. Um, how do you stay organized? Um, and you know, is your hard drive a mess or do you have systems? <laughs> I'm actually pr- I'm a pretty organized person, so um, I'll give you a backstory on it as well. It's like so before. So from 2004 to 2007, end of 2000, so beginning of 2008, I was, I was working at um, O2 mobile phone shop. So um, I went from part-time to acting, acting manager. And during that time, when I was assistant manager to manager, during that time, there was periods where I've managed was off sick for long periods, or I was just literally in charge of the whole shop. And from there, I learned how to organize work, like work with a team of 10, work everything out, work out where everybody's meant to be. You do rotors, you do stock checks, you do end of year stock checks, you do um, yeah, so much things that you're accountable for. So when you scale that down to one person, me on is so, it, this is easy for me. Do you know what I mean? So like on a Sunday, I don't really do it now because I've got like notes. I've got loads of things. I've got like uh, reminders in my phone, but, I'd write down a list of stuff that need to be done. Some things can be like, can take a few days, some things can take weeks or whatever. So it could be something as simple as 
oh, um, change that hi-hat on that track, or it could be um, process that release to go out for the 13th of January, but put it out, but set it, you know, get your process now. So it's loads of things and I'll just, I'll just mark it off every single time. So nothing gets missed. Like if it gets missed, it's just got missed and it's, it's out of my hands. But a lot of things I do is very organized. And I think that's why, like, even with my label, it's always just been me. Like now and then I'll take on an intern here and there if I need to. But a lot of the time it's just me processing, doing everything from start to finish, liaising with the artist, making sure the whole projects are done. Now, even with like, with my MacBook, everything's got its own place. You know, it's like, um, I've got like, um, if I've finished a track and it's been out, it will come off this and it'll go onto a hard drive. So I've got, I've got about 10 or 15 hard drives. Like, and I know exactly what's on there. So, and that's come from the back of um, being, um, you know, losing a lot of my music, you know, early on. So I've just learned learn from my mistakes it's like have backups have have this have that so i've got a time backup i've got a time back this up to date so that's i know that's got to be done so everything is very 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 organized with me um you know and uh i try not to do too much i try and keep my workload down as much as i can so i don't it doesn't overload in my brain so yeah a lot of it's just got it's got to be organized like even with if you talk to any of the artists on kicks and snares um from the new artists to artists Literally, they'll tell you, like, you know, I'm, I'm always in contact with them, always making sure they know what needs to be done or what's happening with their release. Um, so they know, you know, there's no, there's no surprises, you know, um, and, uh, you know, keep a nice, honest environment, you know, in terms of mm. releasing and putting out good music. I love that. I'm sure yeah. the artists appreciate that too. 100%. I, I, I kid you not, you'd be surprised how much artists, you know, turn around and be like, I've never had this sort of like service before with, you know, it's usually there's the tracks, they got the master back, you got the artwork back, they know the release date and there's nothing else, you know, mm-hmm. even down to like accounting and stuff like that. They end up having to chase that. Whereas with me, it's like, I've got someone that I work with that deals with that. So that's one thing that I don't deal with, you know, and we know it always gets sorted out. Everybody, you know, I make sure everybody gets paid, you know, as long as their music sells, <laughs> obviously. But yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, just try, I just try my best to be whatever I think I, whatever I would like done for me musically, I try and do it for anybody that I take on, you know. Um, and there's periods where I don't take on anybody because I know that, you know, the first thing, you know, is, is weird because beginning of the year, I was like, right, I want to limit how much people I'll release just for the year. And then lockdown hit. So it was like, so glad that I didn't make any commitments with anybody you know, prior to that, you know, because I, I, you know, I'd feel like I've let, you know, let them down as well. So, you know, it's important to me to not let people down and, you know, know what my, you know, know what I'm capable of doing, um, you know, just, just as a whole, basically. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, you have still been extremely prolific this year. Like you've actually put out so much music. I know, I know. Um, before we go any further, let's just have a roundup of your recent releases or your 2020 releases. So take me through. I can't even remember. I've got a list. So you've had eight tracks. You've yeah. had a uh, summer compilation for Kicks and Snares. And then as Bokongo, you've had the Liberty Sound release. Yeah. Um, where should we start? Internal I want to hear about all of them. So I'll start. There's one that you missed out, which was Internal Sunshine, which was like a five, five tracker that had... Um, Three, three vocalists on there, um, L Delaney, 
um, uh, who else did I have on it? Tasty Lopez and uh, and um, Alicia Lee. And it slips out of my head. But yeah, so basically the idea with that was um, uh, I, I wanted to make a project from start to finish, mix, master it myself, um, do the artwork myself. Um, and, and basically just kind of like uh, show people that you don't need, you don't need to spend that much money to put out a release. You can do it at home without anything. Um, so that was kind of the idea behind that. But I'd say overall, the whole idea with ev everything that I've done this year has been um, just have fun with it. Because one the one thing that a musician, a, a, a producer DJ has over a DJ is that you can put music out whenever. And also a label, if you're right, if you run a label, you can put music out whenever you want. So I just want to kind of, I wanted to kind of take advantage of that and have fun with it as well. Um, you know, if there was, a, if there was a period where I thought it weren't fun anymore, I would have stopped and then I would have, do you know what I mean? But for me, it's like, I want to have fun with this and see what, you know, just see what happens. You know, for me, it's, Music's always been fun first, business after. Bearing in mind that you know, if you're working with people, business always is always part of it. So, I'm having, I'm just having fun with it basically, and just, just, just seeing what happens. And and no one's so far, no one's come and said that's this is too much music, or you know, you just throw music out there, or whatever. But I can honestly say everything I put out, you know, the summer compilation, that was like a that's like a recap of what we put out. I just kind of want to remind people what we put out over the you know, the best tracks, basically, what we put out and remind people. So anybody that might have missed those EPs, they can pick that up and then hopefully revisit the full, you know, full EP, like, you know, um, or the project, like with Murder, He Wrote, MA1, Polo and Motu. We've re we done, we done these projects. So like similar to eight tracks, we've done a collector called Collection Volume 1. So what we did was we compiled eight of the tracks that they put out on Kicks and Snares, or the best ones, and then maybe a couple of new ones. And then we put them together in one package, and then re and then re-released it. So, all the so with Murder he wrote his first release was 2016 on Kicks and Snares, and then you'd bring those one of those tracks forward, put it in that EP, and it's like you've you've either caught someone that have just maybe have just have start discovered Kicks and Snares or Roscoe or Murder he wrote, and then you're bringing something that they might not have noticed that come out into the forefront. So, um, yeah, with with what I do is you know it's more just to have fun with it, man. And also, again, you know, with Murder, He Wrote's project, um, you know, we, we recruit so much. We was able, you know, we're able to pay him, especially with the band camp days and everything. It's like, you know, it was, it's such a good feeling to put, be able to put some money in, you know, these guys' pockets and be able to just, you know, show them that their music can sell, their music can do well, and we can get your music in the right, in the right hands. And that's, that's the most important thing for me when putting out music for everybody. Mm. Let's talk a bit about Bakongo, your other alias. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you keep Roska as is, basically, yeah. and just keep moving forward with Roska as a distinctive yeah. sound. What was the motivation to start this alias? Um, so I, I started Bakongo at the same time I started Roska, um, like mm. over 10 years, or about 15, 15 years ago. And then what the, I wanted to see which one would, which one would go first, and Roska took over and done his thing so I was like right okay so I put it on the back burner I'd released like three EPs at the time around 2008 and then every few years someone would ask me for you know if, is there any more Bokongo stuff coming out so I never really kept it like a secret as such to 
you know, hide or, you know, keep them separate. But, you know, it wasn't a thing where I was going, ah, yes, Rosca is Bokongo. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of more, just kind of, you know, if people know, they know. It's not a secret. And, uh, yeah, it was funny. I think it was Andrew Andrew Rice. He wrote, <laughs> he'd done a review on my first one last year. And uh, I think he wanted to let people know that Rosca was Bokongo. And Bokongo was Rosca, but... Like, it's like, man, <laughs> it's out there, man. If people know, they know it. I mean, it's, a, it's like a who cares. But with Bokongo, with Bokongo it's been, it, it, it was a, it became more of a tribal sort of like hybrid funky sort of thing. And then I kind of like didn't know where to take it because I felt like a lot of the stuff that was in Bokongo was already in Roska. So I didn't want to put two things out. They're the same thing because I'm using a lot of the, the, the skeleton of what Bokongo is in Rosca. So what, so I, I kind of put a, put it on the back burner. And then I think 2018, I started working on some bits and, and I kind of worked out the idea and the angle I wanted to take it because I was hearing some stuff that sounded similar to Bokongo stuff and sounded like a lot of like the stripped back um, Rosca material, like um, like my remix for Fortet, um, Love Cry remix and stuff like that. It sounded very, very similar. I had that kind of, that edge to techno but very minimal, but had the, the, you know, the backbone of funky. And, um, and then, I, you know, I started looking, I started looking at what I can do with the Bokongo material. And then I sent some stuff to Peverlist, um, cause I was actually going to release some stuff on kicks. I was like, right, I'm going to do a Bokongo EP. And, um, I left it with Peverlist and a few other people. And then, um, I forgot about it. So literally I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to just carry on releasing the Roscoe stuff. Cause it's got, it's building, it's getting something. So, and yeah, then Pev just went, he said, what's happening with this EP? And I was like, I don't know, I just ain't got time to release it. And then he just said, look, I'll take it on, I'll take it on Liberty Sound. And I was like, perfect, man, because um, one of the things, like I said before, is like, I try not to take too much stuff on. And like, at that, at the, I, the, the idea was good at the time, but I just couldn't invest my time into putting it out myself. And then, um, and then, yeah, that when that release come out, it was just like, it was amazing because I didn't know how much people actually didn't know that I was Bokongo. And it's not like I cared, but it was like, right, oh, okay, cool. And like, uh, I remember Fristian on uh, Worldwide FM and he, he messaged he messaged me and didn't know I was I was Bokongo. And I was just like, oh man, this is crazy. But it's, it's funny, it's, 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 it brings a bit more fun to it as well. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not trying to hide it. You know what I mean, but at the same time, it's like, it's funny when people discover it. Like I have been trying to keep both of them separate as well. So, um, mm. Yeah, it's been it's 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 been um, sort of like an interesting journey the last couple of years with Bokongo and sort of watching it build and grow and and kind of watching it grow organically and not really pushing it to say Bokongo is Rosca, but it's there. Do you know what I mean for people to see it? Mm, and what's your vision for it? Like, where are you going to take it next? Um, I just want to put out some good music with it. You know, just like I thought about doing sort of like a live thing with it, but you know, it's like. I just, I, I don't know, you know, I just, I felt like, I feel like the last, the last couple of years, it's been great to watch, watch it grow and just, and have that, it's like, when I first started Roscoe, I had that, that freedom of um, experimenting and not having, not being fully, fully attached or invested into a sound. And I think Bokongo's got that because I've got people in techno playing Bokongo material and I've got people in tribal house playing Bokongo material and I've got UK funky people playing Bokongo material so it's like it's got a wide sort of reach 
And I kind of like that because there's no rules to what I'm doing with Bokongo. There's, there's no rules to anything, but I like to stick with Roscoe stuff. I know what people want to hear and I know what I want to do with that. So with the Bokongo material, it's like, I don't have to sit there and go, right, this is going to be, it's going to, it's got to have funky drums or it's got, and it's got to have a techno, it's got, it's just got to have what I feel Bokongo stands for at that moment in time. And then if I need to add to that and build on it, then I will do that. But I think overall, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing what I think it should be doing. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm happy with the growth of it. And, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to fast track the career of, of Bokongo as such or the timeline of it. So I'm happy for it to just, you know, be in, be on the fire, just on, you know, simmering rather than, rather than, you know, full heat, you know, pouring over and stuff. It's like, it just gives me that time to be able to do this, this and do normal life as well without having to be too overwhelmed. Absolutely. Um, tell me if this is right or not. I, this is just what I yeah. think I've picked up from social media. But did you manage to do a little DJ set the other day? Yeah, yeah. So um, how was that DJing man. under the new precautions? Yeah. Do you know what it was? <laughs> so right, coming going into the total. So I got when um, when the new tears come out. Um, I got a message um, from the guys um, called Accidental. And uh, they just said, oh, um, yeah, we'd love to get you down to Brighton to play in patterns. And I was like, okay, cool, great. But I'm still like, I'm still on the edge because like, I don't know what to expect. Do you know what I mean? And I feel, I'm so, you know, you know, when you're so used to an environment and then you've got to go back into that environment, but it's completely different. And that's what I was worried about. And that's why I haven't really invested in time in doing, but I've only done two live streams like this whole time because I just don't want to do it. I just don't, I feel that. If I just put good music out, I'll be happy with that. So, so yeah, I accepted the show. They said it's 70 capacity. It will be seated, but it should be good fun. And I was like, I haven't played. I haven't touched the Nexus setup in so long. I've got a controller in my studio that I use. Let me just go for it as well. And um, I got there. <laughs> and it's funny because when you go in there, when you go into the actual venue, you have to put your face mask on. But then when you go down, I don't have, because I'm in the booth on my own. So it's like, I don't have to wear it. And then, and then everybody's sitting down, but I've come into the club with my face mask on, everybody's sitting down and I've opened the door and everybody's just looking at me. Cause it's like, it's like, you know, walking into someone with a face mask on and I've got a hat on as well. Like imagine that like last year, do you know what I mean? It's like, that, like even like um, the other day off, top of, off topic, but I went to my local supermarket, Sainsbury's and the security guard was following me around but it's because I had my face mask on so high, it's there, and then my, my hat on. So it's like, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, if I was doing that, like, say, I don't know, like a year or two ago, do you know what I mean? It would have been a different sort of, like, scenario. But anyway, back to the club, it's like, it was really good, really good. Like, when people felt the tunes and felt what they, you know, what they liked about the set, they got up and they was cheering, and it felt good, it felt good, it felt good. It, it, it surpassed my expectations of what I thought was going to be. So yeah, if anybody's got a chance to go to a club seated, yeah, man, enjoy go and go and enjoy it, man. It's good, good fun. Oh, I'm glad to hear that it's fun. Yeah, it seems so such a big adjustment, but that big is fun. very hopeful. The positive though is that no one's requesting nothing. No one can come <laughs> to the DJ, so I'm good. I'm, good. I'm protected by the laws. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, Let's talk more about making music. So I'd really love to hear your approach to 
collaboration and working yeah. with others. Yeah. Um, what might you see in an artist that would make you sort of have a thought process of, oh, I'd love to like get in the studio with them and make something? Um, most of the time, most of the people that I collab collaborate with, especially over the last like three or four years, it's, it's got to be someone that I like, as in like as a person. So um, as an example, like um, the track, the last track I released a couple of weeks ago, called, it's called Neutral Grounds with um, Razzleman. And um, I really got to know Razzleman over the last like, um, over the last like two or three months or maybe even more, just being WhatsApp in and just chatting and stuff. And um, I think those sort of relationships help so much more. I mean, we've, we worked remotely, but to have the have the have conversations and just talk about anything and everything you know whether it's music or whether it's you know just general whatever you know and it's like it's like i like those relationships with artists more than uh an email saying do you want to collab yes i do let's meet here and let's do this because it feels less business and it's and it it brings the best out in you as well um you know, even working with Scratcher early days as well, because I used to see Scratcher was on the breakfast show. I was on the show after he's on rinse, 11 till one. So we used to go for, he used to wait around, do his emails. And then we used to go to the cafe together. So we, we built a good relationship up together. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we've done collabs, we've done remixes here and there. Like I could, I could, I could call him today and say, let me remix that. And he'll, he'll send the parts over. And likewise, if he wanted to remix something, do you know what I mean? We can just, we mix it up and that's how we, that's how we work you know we work on the basis of like you know having a good friendship with someone and just being able to just move forward so even with um Cerisi, we've done like numerous tunes since 2017 and we have a good relate we talk pretty much every day like whether it's a voice note or whether it's just like random stuff advice whatever and again it's like i know that i can turn around to him and go look i just need some vocals for that track or he can go i need a, i need a track for my ep or whatever and you know we can we can do that and it takes the it takes the business side out of it we're just because we're here we're musicians we're here we're here for music first and business secondary you know so um yeah that's 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 how most of my my collaborations go but not to say that i'd rule out a collaboration with someone big you know um you know i've done one with um dj fresh back in uh 2018 oh 16 up 16 i think it come out in eight 2018 in the end so it's like you know some 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 collaborations can just happen organically some can just happen you know by email or whatever but i prefer the ones when you know the person it just feels that much more easier to yeah just get yeah. things done and it's a bit more relaxed as well yeah is there a moment that stands out to you as just like a really special studio moment where you just thought this is great we're really on to something here um i'd say um I'm say I don't know you know do you know why because I was saying this to someone else the other day actually like like I don't I never gas on my tunes I never like I never go this is sick like I, I might say yeah this is good but I've always I always protect my my head like to say you know because you could go this tune is fucking sick and then all of a sudden you put it out and it's just got that mediocre attention that you wasn't expecting. You're like, Flip, I spent all that time saying this is sick. <laughs> like for someone to just go, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, I think I've thrown that out, but I'd say early, early doors was my first album. 
and actually, and uh, at that same time, um, my um, that the PC I mentioned, I, I got that. Um, I, I ordered that, and then I had to do four text remix. And I think that was a good time because I spent so little and I learned, I learned to spend minimal time on my releases. So as an example, um, Fortet messaged me and asked me to remix um, Love Cry. And then my PC broke. I ordered another PC. It was on its way. I had two weeks to do remix. The, the PC come on the last day of the remix. I finished. I had the idea in my head. And then I just done it straight away. I done it in four hours and sent it to him. Mm. He doesn't know that story, by the way. But yeah, it's like I, as far as he knew, I was doing it for that whole two weeks. And then I sent it to him, and it and it was it was it was um, finalized. But yeah, I'd say I'd say times where I felt the time was against me, and it was the excitement of having to wrap up something. That was one of probably one of my favorite times. Um, mm. Also, um, I'll say I'll say a recent one, which was a few months ago, was. Um, I've done two tracks for Frisco, one for his album. Um, there's a track called Money Call I've done on his album, a um, dancehall track, like 110 BPM vibes. And then, and uh, that one, <laughs> he messaged me on the, fri- on the Friday and was like, Roscoe, I need you to finish this track off for me. And I was like, okay. He goes, but I need it by today. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. So he sent me the track and I redone the drums and the bass and then sent it back to him. Again, that was a fun thing because I literally shut the computer down in my, in, in, my, in my studio and I was ready to finish the day. And then he messaged me. I was like, right, let me, you know what I mean? So the thrill of like having to sort of like rush, but get what you need to get down in, in a short period of time. I feel like those times more fun for me. I love that you describe what sounds to me like incredibly stressful moments as like <laughs> your most fun things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's just, it's the excitement of like being like, I've got to look for a snare. I've got to look for a hat. Do you know what I mean? And just kind of like, yeah, it's just, I like that. It's, it's like, it's not, it, it's not, there's no pressure in it, but you're, pre- you're putting pressure on yourself. And because you're doing something that you love and enjoy, it, it takes away that the, the negative side of the stress. It's like, it's like a positive stress. I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's so it's positive. It's positive. You know, something good is going to come up off the back of it. If you just, if you just like, you know, persevere through it. Oh, I think that's a really great piece of advice for everyone in, in every element of life. Um, that's, that's how I've enjoyed music. Like over the last, like, not saying I haven't enjoyed music, but I can honestly say because I haven't had to tour or anything. This is like the first year. Like, I mean, I'll, like my last my last show before um, playing in Brighton on, on Saturday was um, was, uh, was America. So I went to America and then like three weeks later, we're in lockdown. And like, it was crazy because I was... I was trying, I was arranging with my, with my agent, Matt in America, like, I'm gonna like the next tour, use that money to pay for my next visa. Like, like, don't, I don't, I don't need it. So, and then it's like, okay, cool. Like we're in lockdown now. So coming from that to having to sit down, not think about any gigs, itineraries or, you know what I mean? Anything that involves like, you know, hotels, it's literally just go home, go in the studio in the back garden and make beats literally all day, every day. Like it's a dream. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> I've, I've had, Loads of fun this year. Um, I think we should talk a bit about your label, well, labels, um, and kind of how you use them to nurture new artists. Yeah. Um, tell me first a bit more about um, Roscoe Kicks and Snares. Yeah, so um, the idea came about in 2007, and then 
I put it together in 2008. So first release was 28th of February 2008. Um, and the idea was, so I was putting, I was, I was trying to find labels for Funky at the time. Funky was so new. So there was only a handful of people around. There was Jelly Jams, DJ Zinc and Genius, Fuzzy Logic, Apple, Crazy Cousins, Naughty, Hardhouse, Banton, um, Invasion Records, um, and then a few other people here and there. Fuzzy Logic, I think I mentioned. Yeah, so there weren't no labels. It was every, when I looked, everybody was putting their own music out themselves. So I had to start a label. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that if I press up a record, um, like I, I can try and get these in shops and we move from there and try and... and yeah, it was tough. It was it was really tough because I didn't know I didn't know what promo was. I didn't know what I didn't know anything. I was literally like winging it. And but every day I'd come home from work. So I was doing a night shift. I'd I'd spend an hour just going through the internet, looking at what I can do and how how can I make Roska kicks and snares into my label for my output? Because it was I really it was only for me. It was just like you're just an output basically to just throw my music out into the world. And um, yeah, I just started working on like pressing releases up and, and putting them, giving them to the right people. And then after a while, it just started, it was like, it just showed me. And the one thing I, I always live by and I tell people all the time is that, you know, it's consistency, it's, it's, it's the massive key in this whole, in this whole thing. Whatever you're doing, you've got to be consistent. So with, with Kicks and Snares, I put out three releases that year. And then the next year I put out four releases. And off the back of that, I had um, I had music playing everywhere. One extra um, at the time, uh, Choice FM, which is Capital Extra now, and um, and a few out. A lot of the pirate radio stations were playing it, and um, yeah, I was, just, I was just trying my best to kind of like see see what I can do and see how far I can get because I, I didn't I didn't do half as well as I thought I would do when I was emceeing. And, and um, at the time, my cousin, he he stopped DJing and went straight like fully into work. So work was his thing. And, um, you know, it kind of put me in a in a spot where I was like, well, what do I do? Should I just continue producing or do I emcee or whatever? So when I just started the, MC, um, the producing and putting the music out, it was just a gradual build up basically of trying to just see what I could, see what happens. It was never about money or trying to find um, like, how much I can get out of this situation. It was more of like, just have fun with it and see what happens at the end. You know, you've got a job. It's not like you're waiting for, you know, money to come in from music. Just let that do its thing. And um, lo and behold, like 2009, it was like, you know, uh, I got I got my show on rinse. And at that time, you could not get a show on rinse. Like, and it was like, it was one of those, like even when I was on rinse for the first two years, there was at least like four or five tweets or texts saying, where do I send my demo to? Where do I send my demo to? Like, that's how hard it was to get a rinse. It was like, it was very, it was very um, based on what you do. Like, if you're, if you're good at what you do and your name is there, you, you get on it because it, it's kind of like you earn that spot. Do you know what I mean? Rather than, yeah, let's see what you come on the station. We'll see what you can do. It's the other way around. And, uh, that's, and, that, and that's from that, then it became, you know, an album deal as well off the back of that, you know, and, um, you know, playing forward, you know, debuting at forward, forward and rinse, uh, and a few other things. So it, that's from there, it kind of made, helped me to grow. And once I got to like 2010, um, I didn't know what to do with my label. I was like, how can I keep my label running? Obviously, I'm signed, so I didn't want, you know, I'm signed to rinse. So let me just, you know, stick to doing my stuff on rinse. So 
2010, I started taking on artists on um, on my label. So the first artist I took on was DJ Naughty, um, um, released the Firepower EP. And then we took on Jamie George um, as Tickles. And um, we took on Jay Kenzo as well. Um, and he was when so he was doing like the dubstep stuff and he was doing more 4-4 stuff on, on kicks and snares. So I kind of like t- took it upon myself to make it like a hub of, if you're a new artist, like come on kicks and snares and we'll, we'll help you as well as um, let you release. So it's not just the release you're getting, you're getting way more for what, you're, what you should be paying really. Cause I'm not even charging 10% management fee or nothing. I'm just saying, come on the label. I'll show you what I know and what I've learned over the last few years and help you with whatever you need help with um, to get forward, whether it was helping people with um, sign up for PRS, PPL, um, understanding royalties um, and un- just understanding like the label side of it and what I do um, just so they can get a gist of it. And then, you know, if the release does well the first time, we do another one, we do another one, we do another one until either you want to move on or I want to move on or whatever, or like you might want to go on a bigger label, who knows? So, I kind of worked it that way um, for as long as I can. So you'll find there's like, there's like stints of artists that, you know, like Murder He Wrote, he done, he's done numerous EPs now, but the idea is always to do one, two or three EPs with each artist. And the idea behind that is um, the first one is an introduction um, um, project. The second one is to kind of more establish yourself in there. And then the third one is like, people should know who you are now. And hopefully whoever doesn't know you there or knows you knows you at that point, hopefully they go back and revisit the, last, the first two. Um, so I do quite a lot to kind of work around the artist and give them a name. And um, I think I've done that pretty well with Murder, He Wrote, Polo and uh, Motu, just giving them, a, giving them a more of an open platform and use my, use my platform to introduce them to the world. Um, you know, whereas like a DJ Naughty, who was already established, he was already fully in there. Um, and for me, and even with Champion as well, established as well, come on the label. And it's like bringing those on, it kind of solidifies the fact that this is a funky label. And we do have artists that are in funky coming on the label and coming through as well. And just kind of just, yeah, just establish, uh, establishing Kicks and Snares as a funky label. But we do have, we do turn corners every now and then to kind of, you know, complement other sounds that Funky's influence or influenced by Funky as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you told us at the beginning of this chat about um, working at O2 and the kind of transferable skills that you picked up there that you applied to music. Um, would you be able to share with us a bit more about your experience of, you know, quitting your day job to do music full time? think that's yeah. like a a thing that a lot of people aspire to and sort of don't know how or when in your career you should sort of commit to doing that. Um, What would your tips be for navigating that? Um, It's a tough one. So like after, um, after O2, I started doing this night, this night shift um, job. It was like six till two in the morning, but I'd be home by midnight. So then I'd have two hours every, every day. So I'd have to stay up for that period of time. So I'd be able to make music and read whatever, like my headphones. And, um, during, during that time, I was taking annual leave, like for any shows that I had. So most of my shows started coming. So I started the night shift in 2008, around when I'd done my first release. And what that would give me is that would give me time to, like when I was getting the records pressed up in a day, 
I was able to go, I, I'd, I'd head up to Birmingham, drop records off the record shop. I'd, and I, again, it wasn't like, it wasn't even for money or anything because Birmingham's far, you know what I mean? To drop off a box of records, you know, from London to Birmingham, it's like, you know, I don't even know how much miles it is. But I was doing that on a regular basis, going up to this place, going to that place, dropping off records in a day. So that would, that would give me enough time to do what I need to do and go get some sleep and what have you and then go to work. So by the tail end of like 2009, I started doing more shows. So I was playing in like places like Croatia, doing a lot of like London shows. Bristol was a big, big, big place for me to go every Yeah, I was literally going there at least six, seven times a year to Bristol. I'm playing numerous places in London. And then it started spreading more and more. So I was getting like Switzerland and loads and loads of different countries and cities. And then um, it got to uh, March, March 2010. And then I ran out of annual leave. I literally ran, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's either I'm going to be able to try and take unpaid leave or I'm just going to have to just quit. So as time got on, I realized I had um, an American tour lined up in April. So my album dropped, I think, 3rd of April, 2010. And then my, uh, my American tour was a week after for three weeks. And then um, Marianne Hobbs asked me if I can do... Um, Sonar Festival, um, I'd done, I think that year I'd done um, Roskilde Festival, Glastonbury. Um, I'd, done, I'd done my Central Mix that year as well. Um, yeah, there's so much stuff going on that year. So I was like, right, you know what? I've got enough stuff. I've got, a, I've got some money because I saved all the money that I had from music. Didn't bother spending that. I just used my work money. And then I, I quit. But I'd, my advice for anybody is that just hang on to a job for as long as possible, especially in this time. Like I just, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't bank on it, man. Honestly, right now I would say work and do music as long as you can, you know, um, because the more money you can have in your pocket, you just the better, unless you've got money behind you, you come from a good family, do that by all means. But I'd say if you can hang on to a job, hang on to that. If you've got, if you've got like any sort of like skill, like just do what you can and then do do the music and but learn to learn to manage your time like there's a book that I read that I read before called one minute manager and uh, that will show you how to manage your time really well so it's it's, it's about managing your time and knowing and, and you've got to be strict and it? it's like you have like it's fun but you have to be you have to know what you need to do at specific times and that's the only way you can really work it you know, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's the advice. That's all the advice I can give, really. I'm just trying to think of anything else. Um, I do think that's really, really solid advice. And yeah. there has perhaps before this year been a bit of a stigma. Oh, you know, you don't really do music unless you do it as your whole thing. Hopefully 2020 is the year where we've absolutely shed all of that. And yeah, you can just say, do you know what? I'm just multi-talented. I can do many yeah, different yeah. things. Yeah, that's it. You have, I think you just have to, you have to do what you can. At the end of the day, it's your bills, not anybody else's. And <laughs> it's like, they're not going to pay it. They can say all what they like, you know, as long as you're doing what you need to do to make sure you're living good and putting out the good music. And when, and when I mean being like strict with, your, with what you're doing is that if you want music to be your thing and you do intend on leaving work at some point, like show people that you're serious from the start. So all these people that you're working with, if they see that you're serious from here, 
when you get from there to there and you've left your job behind, they will take that, they will take that and they will remember those times. You know, they'll, you know, you know, I've had it before with with artists on the label where, you know, because it's because music's not their their main thing and you know, their bread and butter is with this job, it's like it's hard to kind of and I get it because you know, timing stuff, but if you can make both things work, make your hobby work as well as your your main job, you're good, you'll be good and and you'll be able to get to that point. You know, hopefully, you know, when this whole lockdown and COVID you know, passes us, you know, this will come in handy with for people that are looking to pursue that as well, man. So yeah, fingers crossed everybody can do what they want to do. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I, I I never thought like I would um do music full time. It was always, yeah, I'll just do it, you know, plan the weekends and whatever you and put music out. And I think that's what kept me going as well because in my head I wasn't going, I'm gonna be this person, I'm gonna kill it, I'm gonna smash it. Because I never kept that hope. It was more of it can be done, but let's just do it release by release and see what happens, you know? Consistent. I love it. Um, so my last question for you is all about 2021. Um, what are your kind of goals for your music? And is there anything that you'd like to see from kind of the wider industry? Um, I think... I'm not sure what I want to do next year. I've got, I've got, uh, with me, it's like, I've got, I've got ideas and packages. So I'll, I'll package projects up and work on ideas and who I want to work with and stuff like that. So that's, that's what I do initially. And then it could be a thing of, I just wake up that one day and be like, right, this is what I'm going to put out next. So like, even this week, I've got a release coming out on Friday. Um, and then I've got, I had one come out two weeks ago. And then a few and a month ago. So like, I like to just do things because I can, as well as because I want to share it and I want to have fun with it. So as for planning, not really much in plan, but plans are in, in, in place. So, they, you know, I could end up putting something out um, end of January or beginning, or beginning of February. That's probably a realistic thing for me that could happen. So that's there. Um, but ideally I might, for me, I, I, I want to do some more visuals um because i've done a few visuals this year and all the visuals i've done i filmed them all myself as well so i done i filmed them all and then i got someone else to edit the videos um so a lot of the yeah so just use my just use my iphone as well it's 4k chuck it in 4k let's have fun with it so for me it's like just having that fun of doing stuff diy i ain't looking to spend money i don't care about videos like that but i just want to have something that's out there that i can say yeah you know what i had fun doing this and that and adding a few bits to my skill set and I just and just taking it from there um as for things I'd like to see I would just like to see whether it's labels also like you know we all you know we see the the talks about Spotify not paying people I just want to see people get paid for their art um and uh you know companies like Spotify yeah they can do way better and give and give people what they require but on the flip of that as well, I put out a tweet the other day, actually. So I'm just trying to think of all this stuff. So, yeah, so like some, like I see people, when everybody is putting up their, their um, oh, what do you call it? Like, there's a recap or whatever, the Spotify thing yeah, saying. Wrapped. Yeah, the wrap up. Yeah. So when everybody's putting that up, I see like, obviously, like a few bit of people going, oh, you know, you know, this and that. And 
no you know saying it's not a numbers thing or whatever and it's like man let these guys be proud of what they're doing man it's like they're happy do you know what i'm saying it's like i think people like to put a dampener on certain things and or like you're getting what i put the tweet out about was about people um just like oh, what was i gonna say now i feel like you got those people that don't really invest that much time into music right and they they feel that just because they don't they have to they have to bring that negativity to everybody else in terms of like you know just because they don't post up their wrap-ups you know what i mean just leave the guy that wants to put his wrap-up up do you know what i mean it's like <laughs> let everybody have their fun and enjoy themselves man and i think that's that's what i'd like to see more of just people just letting people just live man you know what i mean that's yeah more money for people that deserve it and let people live man <laughs> i love that yeah 2021 yeah. sorted there you go man i run for prime minister absolutely Oscar for prime minister well thank you so much for bringing us into your world and sharing all this valuable knowledge of your career so far yeah, um, thank you so much Oscar. yeah no i appreciate it thank you thank you